electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Welcome to May. Uh, Futures are green as we come off the best month for stocks since November. Another big week of earnings with a quarter of the S&P reporting, a jobs number Friday. Plenty of headlines from the Berkshire meeting this weekend. Our roadmap, though, begins with that Buffett blast, the Oracle calling SPACs a killer and Robinhood a casino. Plus, Verizon is selling Yahoo and AOL to the private equity firm of Apollo. We'll give you the details. And stocks, well, they look to pick up where April left off. Futures pointing to strong gains on this first trading day, Carl, of May. The year is moving along. Yeah. Uh, it is. Yeah, it sure is. Good to have you back, David. We'll talk some seasonality in a minute. But, guys, so many headlines uh, from the Berkshire meeting. Jim, I know you talked about a couple of them, but SPACs, Bitcoin, Apple, buybacks, climate, where do you begin? Well, I do think that we have to talk about the individual investor, the, the youthful individual investor. And I'm going to take it head on here. Uh, look, obviously, I respect uh, those two men, as everyone else does, Warren Buffett, Charlie, Charlie Munger. You have to. But I, I found I agree with with Vlad Tenev and Robin Hood when I say that it was insulting. Now, maybe it was meant to insult. Maybe it was uh, too sweeping. But I think that when those gentlemen blast a company that has actually brought millions of people in, uh, some of these people are investors. And not all of them are in casino or call buyers. And, and David, I think that there's a sense of contempt uh, for change. And these people are part of a change and a democratization that I am not going to criticize. Uh, when you talk about that, or when you say that there is some contempt for that, is there anything in particular that comes out of the various comments that were made by Mr. Buffett? There Mr. was a very good comment about short-term Apple call buying. I do think that there's too much call buying. Uh, I also think that if you rely on uh, what people say is where they get their ideas, Wall Street bets, that means that you've bought GameStop and you've bought AMC. Uh, right. There really isn't much more to it. So, David, my, my take is, is that we're not getting the correct sample and that both men have contempt for millions of people who are smarter than having money in a checking account. And they're trying and you don't want to discourage them. But if you listen to these two, I think you find that they've attacked the generation as fools. And I, I disagree with that. Carl, um, uh, you know, well, we, go, yeah, go ahead. Now, I was going to say, I mean, Robin Hood's statement, if you haven't heard it so far this morning, is uh, if the last year has taught us anything, it's that people are tired of the Warren Buffetts and Charlie Mungers of the world acting like they're the only oracles of investing. If you missed what uh, the two said over the weekend, take a listen to this. I do want to see how sort of how they handle the source of income when they, they say they, they don't charge the customer anything. I mean, at, at, uh, 
you know, the, uh, it would just be interesting to watch how they describe it. I mean, it, but but they they uh, have attracted, maybe set out to attract, but they have attracted. Uh, I think I read where twelve or thirteen percent of their their casino participants were dealing in puts and calls. I looked up on Apple, you know, the number of seven-day calls and 14-day calls outstanding, and um, I'm sure a lot of that is coming through Robin, and that's a bunch of people writing. They're gambling on the price of Apple over the next seven days or 14. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing illegal about it. There's nothing immoral. Uh, but uh, uh, I don't think you'd build a society around people doing it. Interesting, guys. You know, some of our viewers are writing in this morning, David, uh, sort of defending Buffett, right. saying Buffett doesn't know my order flow. He doesn't sell my order flow and he doesn't shower me with gimmicks to get me to engage. Yep. That all true. And I mean, Jim, listen, we've talked a lot about the gamification of these apps and Robinhood in particular. You also made a perfectly valid point about their business model, which has potentially changed to some extent since the GameStop fiasco when they were more or less out of business if they didn't raise $3 billion. They didn't I mean, have the there is no doubt that there is a, a level of speculation there. I'm not Isn't the there that, that, they're, that their participants engage in? That you can't fully disagree. So I, but what is it that you take issue with then? I think that that's a sample, mm-hmm. a smaller group. I think it's more anecdotal than empirical. I think that it, we need to encourage younger people to get in. And we need to help them. I actually think that what we do here as a network is antithetical to exactly what Buffett and Munger said. So I'm not going into what their view is. I mean, we try very hard to educate. Right. All of us. And it's, it's got some power. Uh, we should not just sit here. If we're just going to tell people they should be in index funds, um, then I think we miss great opportunities for people. I think of all the stories you broke. If people are watching what you have to say, do I think that they're foolish taking action? I think the opposite. No. I think that what we do, Carl, as a network is admirable. It's to help a lot of the people from Robinhood be better. I don't think that they necessarily have to self-immolate. They're not people who shower themselves with with gasoline and light a fire. There's a lot of people, I think, who have watched us. And again, I want to bring us into the debate. I spent my life trying to educate these people. Now, you could say, listen, that's a life unlearned and a life that's stupid. I look at it, Carl, I've, I've probably talked to thousands of investors, far more than these two gentlemen, other than the people who are long Buffett, long, yeah. long, Warren Buffett, long Berkshire. And Carl, I, f- I, find, it, uh, I find it denigrating. I, I find it patronizing. And I know you're not supposed to criticize these two gentlemen. I know they're supposed to be above criticism. But they directly attacked a wave of investing, Carl, that I'm very excited about. And there will be people who get blown out. Do you, do you but, consider, Jim, do you consider seven-day calls investing? No, that's not investing. That's stupid. Uh, do I consider that's what everybody's doing? Absolutely not. Do I consider right. when people call in and ask me about it? Now, you could say that's anecdotal, too. Well, after, after uh, I don't know, after 16 years and thousands of shows, I'm more empirical than those gentlemen. Uh, David, I just think that we have millions of people who are finding their way. And some are going to make big mistakes. Uh, yeah. They always have. But those who would use the app on a daily basis and treat it almost in the same way that they would a betting app. That's right? foolish. 
Yeah. But they'll get blown out. But there'll be some of the millions, millions, who I think will buy Berkshire Hathaway. Mm-hmm. And then how about this? One of the most popular things to do is to buy slivers of Bitcoin. Are they fools? Or did they beat everyone? Right. No, they haven't been. They haven't been if they bought it at any levels. Right. Now, Ethereum, the last, at least I don't know. I wish I had been them at my, at, when I was my age and I bought Bitcoin. Or Again, Dogecoin. Or do- <laughs> well, I just think it's very easy to criticize this cohort and very easy to mm-hmm. uh, basically say that they're fools. Now, see, what they do is very well, not not Munger, because he can be vicious. You're not supposed to say that either, but he can be. <laughs> but what I think Buffett does is he, he's very folksy in his patron in the way he patronizes. He makes you laugh. He says funny things. He immediately comes back and says, look, they're not doing anything illegal. Well, no one said they were doing that's a total straw man. How about the millions of people who decided, you know what, I'm going to get educated and learn how to invest rather than have my money in CDs or in my checking account? Right. David, why is that not something that they got the app? You know, the app isn't a gun and it's not no. Russian roulette. Uh, I'll, uh, Jim McCurl, I found the comments, frankly, from Mr. Buffett on, uh, let's call it broadly speaking, ESG investing, as if not more interesting and certainly made you think about some of the things that are being asked of corporations right now. Right. Well, I think but there's $2 trillion dollars say saying that politic. it's good. Yeah. Where he, I think we, if we have them, I don't know if we can, uh, you know, where he uh, talked about climate and, and, and where you have to be careful uh, in terms of how you hold a company accountable and for what you hold them accountable. Um, I thought it was very interesting. Now, I think there's also, as you just said, there's a lot of money that's going the other way on that. Well, we all know we're in a different world when it comes to what is expected of the typical corporation right now. And there are CEOs who have engaged on issues that you would never have anticipated a corporation would ever get involved in in the past. Uh, And where that goes, it's one of the reasons why we cover it so closely. Do we have um, Buffett's comments, guys, Um, or not? Anybody? The asinine was. We, we had it. We had what it. What did cut. you say? He said the word asinine. Asinine. Yeah. Uh, I, don't you find that patronizing? Yeah, I do. I mean, think about that Exxon board. It's 52 seconds. That, I don't know. Maybe, maybe why not? it's too long. Why not? The Exxon better. board has changed. We radically. also talked about Chevron, obviously. And well, the benefits Mike that Worth it's had takes us more seriously than sorts, Buffett does. Sorts, he, well, Mike Worth has come out quite. Mike Worth is vociferous. Yes. He thinks the other view is asinine. Um, Sorry to be so vociferous, but these people have tried to change their business models. Think about the amount of methane that they have worked hard to be able to cut down because of pressure, not because of the previous president, who frankly did not think methane was an issue. Right. They took this upon themselves. It cost them their er some earnings. But Buffett basically said, listen, I don't like making moral judgments on stocks in terms of actually running the business. No, great. Which you can kind of understand. Right. Well, it's yeah, one way. Look, when I got it at Goldman Sachs, all I cared about was making money, get rich and give it away if I want to. Yeah. I uh, I discussed I discussed the way I was. Really? Yes. I was just a dollar sign represented by a man. Is that ended? I think I care more about these issues than I ever thought. And I think the Robin Hood people do, too. Mm-hmm. Carl, I think that we have decide, decided decided uh, when we listen to Buffett, and we all can agree with him because it's the easiest thing in the world to agree, that all the people that we that opened those Robinhood accounts and they tried so hard to learn how to invest and went into uh, index funds, a lot of them, that they're not mountbanks. They're not fools. 
there are people who are trying. And I think trying is good. I think it's good. And the little guys, frankly, I think they're good. Do I think it's a ripoff to pay for order flow? Not crazy about it. Not crazy about paying for order flow. Yeah, it does. I was going to say, Jim, it, it doesn't sound like you think it's perfect, uh, but you don't want perfect to be the enemy of the good. Right. I just want these people who are watching us to say, you know what? I'm going to listen. Maybe Verizon does well now that they don't have AL and Yahoo. I like to learn more. I'm never going to tell people who are trying to learn that they shouldn't try. It's not worth it. These two gentlemen started buying stocks. And by the way, not everybody went to Wharton back then. Now people go to MIT and they go to Caltech and they go to Berkeley and they learn. Okay, they go to USC and they learn. I'm not happy with this, Carl. Hmm. Jim, a lot, there's a lot more in there, of course, on SPACs and Bitcoin, which we'll get to later on. But they definitely set up a rich debate uh, for the weeks and months to come. When we come back, ton of calls to get to this morning, including some on Caterpillar, uh, Wayfair, UPS, double downgrade of Clorox, some uh, price target hikes for Facebook as we kick off another busy week and month. Don't go away. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back. Verizon making a deal this morning with Apollo to sell uh, its, uh, well, it used to be called Oath, but basically what it calls now Verizon Media uh, for $5 billion. Uh, we're talking AOL and Yahoo. Those are the best known names, of course, that are a part of it. You can see what Verizon shares are doing uh, after the lackluster earnings a uh, couple weeks back. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, this is not going to move the needle, Jim. Verizon will retain a 10% stake in the company. It will be known as Yahoo at the close of the transaction. And again, uh, Apollo is the buyer here trying to, you know, get a sense from the participants as to what the multiple is. Right. That's always interesting. What multiple EBITDA are they paying? I'm hearing mid single digits, but there are some assumed asset sales in there as well. So it's a highly structured transaction. Um, and that's about all I got uh, in, in terms of really getting a sense. So let's call it mid single digits. Um, not a big surprise that this was for sale. Uh, in fact, uh, I had heard it was for sale and asked CEO Hans Vestberg about that very fact back on March 11th. Take a listen. Your media assets, uh, Yahoo, of course, being one of them. Um, But I do hear if you were able to find a buyer for them, you would uh, you would sell them. Is that true? 
first of all, these guys in Verizon Media Group has done a fantastic job. I mean, we changed the whole business model and the business plan as we started in 2018. They have changed all the products, taken out cost, and we're starting to grow. And the fourth quarter showed what we have. So I think I'm very pleased with that asset and how the guys have been executing. So we are supporting them. They're part of the family, and they're a very important part of it. All right. It wasn't a no, though. No, no. Uh, and, uh, you know, what I, I knew they were for sale, uh, but the only question was would they find an actual buyer? Uh, and they did. $4.25 billion in cash is what Verizon will get. Preferred interest of $750 million and that 10% stake that they will retain in the company. Jim, I went back to my old files, too, just to try and remember as a point of education for people today. Right. Because remember, of course, at one point, Yahoo is worth over $100 billion. Yeah. AOL bought Time Warner. Um, and by the way, there was a write down already taken by Verizon. They paid about, let's call it eight and a half billion total for these two assets. They took a four billion dollar write down. What was it? A couple of a few years ago already, three years ago uh, on the assets themselves. But I went back and found a research report from January of 1999. I know you can't really make it out here. I mean, it even looks old uh, from the type on it. Just to give you a feel for what was going on back then on Yahoo. Uh, this was an analyst at uh, Warburg Dillon Reed. Yahoo's trading at 150 times our 99 rest, uh, revenue estimate. Uh, it's trading at 107 times our 2,000 revenue estimate. Absurd? Absolutely. But it was absurd 100 points ago and 200 points ago. So we will not be stupid and change the rating. If we get a good number and a stock split, it's off to the races again. And that just shows Sheesh. you as an example of right. where things were then right. and 20 plus years later where they are now in terms of value. No, extraordinary loss of value. And I think the lesson there was that Mark Cuban told you to sell it. <laughs> when he did the, when he did the broadcast.com broadcast. deal and took the, took the $5 billion and that's what made him a billionaire in yes. Yahoo stock back in the yes. late 90s and then collared it, I think, pretty quickly. And then well. invested per, you know, very, yeah. very well. Yeah. But David, one of the things that you and I both know, there are some very talented people there. What happened that the talented people could not make a go of it, or at least enough of a go for Verizon. Or were they making a lot of money? I don't know. I don't, I don't know that they were making a lot of money. I'd love to know the actual dollar amount that that multiple is based on for EBITDA, because that would give us a better sense, Jim. I, I don't have a great answer for you on but that. But the, the buyer is a smart buyer. Yeah, the buyer is a smart buyer. They're thinking about uh, ad tech. They're thinking about... Um, they're thinking, uh, you know, about sports betting. They're thinking about right. continued innovation as well in financial uh, financial technology. So we'll see if they're able to grab a hold of any of that, Jim, I to actually create a, a much higher level of EBITDA eventually that makes it a good deal. And, of course, don't forget, it will come back to the public markets at some point. That's the way you draw it up, right? Exactly right. Carl? Speaking of sports betting, guys, we will get DraftKings later in the week, along with a host of other names, which we'll talk about, as well as the playbook for May and whether it's any different this year. Uh, as the old saying goes, sell in May hasn't exactly paid off in the past 10 years. We're back in a moment. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.
All right, time now for a mad dash as we get ready for an opening bell. About seven and a half or so minutes from now. Yeah. Uh, Clorox is a name you've followed for quite some yes. time. Certainly it, the multiple has been something you've used as a comparison. I can remember a couple of years ago when we talked about it versus Apple, for yes, example. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's, that's very pertinent because we, what we've seen here is a contraction in the multiple. This is a company uh, that Wells Fargo this morning throws in the towel. They, they go from buy to sell. Why? Because they think the top line was bad. Uh, and they think the bottom line eroded by inflation. This is Linda Rendell, who was on uh, Mad Money mm-hmm. on Friday. I think she made the case that, look, look what's happened to the stock. It, it's just been crushed. Does it keep getting crushed? It's questionable. Got a good dividend, good balance sheet. Uh, made a lot of money during the pandemic because right, of what of they did. But the uh, comparisons are not going to be easy. No, obviously. well, that is the problem. Wall yeah. Street lives on the comparisons. and You'll just be hit every quarter for the next maybe three quarters with a disappointment for someone. You're going to shake out a lot of the true believers. All that said, great brand. Stock's down a lot. Uh, New CEO, I think, is doing a terrific job uh, adjusting some of the the different divisions, like the supplement division, Mm -hmm. taking the hit, which needed to be taken because the acquisitions were not great, and basically rationalizing the uh, business. But if plastics were to come down, which it could happen. A lot of this is because of, her, of Superstorm Uri. I think you'll find the margins will expand. I don't want to throw the towel in. I, up where here the, where was, the, was the time. Where is the multiple right now? Oh, my God. It's, well, you know, you're about? talking it's a moving target, but it's at 25. It's still a 25. It's still at 25 terms earnings, next year's earnings. Okay. That's not cheap. No, it's not cheap, but this is a great brand name. And it tends to trade on its dividend uh, buyback, and they have a lot of cash. It's not a great story, but it's not. A, but it's not time to put it as a sell. The time to put it as a sell, David, would have been far more around there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. If only, right? Uh, all right, we got an opening bell coming up for you on this Monday morning. Stay with us. You talk about three of our companies, and you've covered ninety-five percent of it, uh, and. It's asinine, frankly, in my view. Now, we do some other asinine things because we're required to do them. So we'll, we'll do whatever's required. But to have the people at, you know, Business Wire, you know, Dairy Queen, all these places, filling out reports to make it some common report that comes in. We don't do that stuff at Berkshire. We've got, during the, during the pandemic, we probably have about 12 people to come into headquarters, and we've got... You know, you know, 360,000 people working in in a company that 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 all kinds of diverse activities, and and it's built. I don't want to get in the whole thing. It's it's built on autonomy. It's Buffett talking some climate over the weekend, Jim. He did say that people on both sides of the uh, climate debate at the extreme are a little nuts. I would hate to have all hydrocarbons banned in three years. Talking about the polarity of discussion right now. Again, the straw man. The, the preposterous. We're talking about uh, a man who owns the, what, the most pipes, pipeline in the country. It's Burlington Northern. I'd like to see those companies try to be as green as possible without hurting profits. I think it's possible. And I bet you they really are. And maybe he is unaware. That they're trying. Mm-hmm. But it's everybody's job now. It's the planet. It, it's, uh, that's a, another form of change 
that these two men don't seem to acknowledge. So you, you, you basically seem to be saying he seems unaware of the true changes that are taking place in the capital markets, whether it be the way people are investing right. or the new cohort that is doing that and or the overlay now of a lot more concern about things other than simply profit. I am, yes, I am saying that it's entirely uh, possible that they don't simply care about the environment. We had a president who didn't. Not at all. But it's everybody's duty. And I'm not going to sit here and say, well, because they're folksy, brilliant men, that their view is right. It's everybody's job. It's their job. I think that they should be more concerned. Just one more layer of discussion out of the Berkshire meeting, guys, as we get the opening bell at the NYSE and the NASDAQ. And some breath uh, down below at the uh, S&P 500 CNBC real-time exchange. Uh, Jim, as far as the playbook for May goes, interesting comments over the weekend. We got Bridgewater's uh, co-CIO CEO, talking about uh, a good portion of stocks being in a bubble, although he said shorting it is, quote, the easiest place to die. And then um, today you got B of A. Once again, talking about sell-side indicators, uh, I think that their title or the report is titled Inching Toward Euphoria. Well, I, I don't know what to tell people. You want to tell people that they're not allowed to make money. You want to tell people that they should be in CDs. Real estate's great. I'm not necessarily recommending the, uh, the cryptos, but they've been terrific. Stocks have been great. Uh, you can get into dividend stocks. They're not that great. But I don't think anything's worse as, as worse as cash. David, I think, uh, I, look, I think that people can make money and then they're allowed to sell. Uh, Buffett doesn't want anyone to sell, by the way. But that's a shame because if you bought Bitcoin uh, at 12000 a sliver of it, I think you should sell some, lock it in, uh, play with the house's money. But again, why, why, is the, why are those people per se gamblers and wrong? When you listen to some of the great people who come on our network, and they encourage this much lower, and they make people a lot of money. I mean, is it real money? What, what, what's, they don't asterisk it. They, J.P. Morgan takes it. You sell some. I bought, I bought a, an estate with this stuff. You did? Yeah. Is it nice? Two-acre pond. Really? Really very private. Uh, nice house. I uh-huh. bought it with Bitcoin. Right, and now it's going to actually generate real income for you. Well, I mean, I just look. I, I look. I am very fortunate. I admit, I was poor. I went to Goldman. I made money. Ran a hedge fund. Made money, and now I'm, you could say, "Listen, Jim, you're just another guy who doesn't favor change." But I'm saying, Carl, I bought Bitcoin. It went up a lot, and then I bought real estate. And you know, my friend Doug Yearly at Toll Brothers, I think he would tell you, you know, real estate is pretty good. And look at how that stock's done. So, Carl, again, I, I want to take the other side of the trade, if only because I see people making right. money. And I'm proud to have been a part of them making money. Yes, Jim, I think I think what these um, I won't call them bears, but uh, these cautious outlooks are reflecting are a question about what the environment looks like when money growth isn't exploding year on year, when personal income isn't exploding, when the percentage of personal income that's a government payout isn't exploding, the environment gets a lot tougher. And I don't know if you'll see Bitcoin outperform a host of other asset classes those years. No, but would um, the 12 gainers over the past two years, let's go over them, uh, Tesla, 
up 1,290. Enphase Energy, solar, up 906. Generac, that's the, a play on how bad the grid is, up 440%. Penn National, a, a play like DraftKings on the legalization of gambling. And then NVIDIA, which is probably the great chip company of our time. By the way, some of the other 12 are applied materials and land research. They are based on the concept of, of solving the chip shortage that they talked about in 60 Minutes. So are these uh, fanciful? Are they not gettable? I don't know. I think they're gettable. I, I just don't get the contempt people have for those who are trying to find these stocks. Oh, by the way, did, did, did Buffett own any of these? I'm not familiar. No. He managed to buy the banks at a price that you and I can't get. That's true. He's able to. He is able to do, of course, deals that nobody else can. Right. It's been now, I want to say they're brilliant. They're fantastic. Did I the, love them. They're great. That, got that oxy piece of paper. Remember that? Yeah, well, they're brilliant and they're fantastic. And I love them. And they're great. Okay. Did I tell you how I feel about this? Yes, I think everybody can tell really? how you feel about it. Yeah, I don't think well, you're really I just think the people who are at Robin Hood, uh, look, I, I'm sorry. The democratization, some of them will be fools. Absolutely. How about the people who learned to buy stocks the way Warren Buffett did? They went to school. They studied. Why are they not allowed to? What? No, he would say it's not illegal. Remember, he's, he captures no, it. He all was the right. talking about a particular subset, I think, that is using options in but, a very aggressive fashion. No, they're they're they dumb. Know a great deal. They're dumb. That are in their, in a sense, making it more like a casino. I and By the way, that's gone. Uh, you know, then I hear myself saying that, and then I think about the guy at Arcagos, right? Right. A Thank you. Incredibly well-heeled Thank investor you. with many twenty-five years right. of experience, a tiger cub. Who goes out and does what he did? Well, look, what, but, is that any less being insane? No. But how about James Gorman? He buys a company that helps people who work at, at companies that uh, come public. All right, you're talking about Morgan a, Stanley now. Yes. Yes. Well, if, are those buying, people buying what? Buying, getting diversified away right. from their own company. Right. Very young, Carl. Very young people who are trying to learn. But if we listen to Buffett and Munger, what those people should do is what? Index funds and cash? I'm not sure what else. What happens if they look at other companies that are in their business? Are they all trying to buy Theranos? No. Again, that's I, the extreme example listen, that these gentlemen are using. No, you're right. The straw I, man. Do you, right. Right. Do you remember? I mean, Carl, I, when we were sitting on the NYC, I would do this occasionally and talk about a company, an enormous company that was buying back stock, but not necessarily using a, a huge amount of pool of capital to buy other companies <laughs> that had an, you know, very old, let's be honest, very old CEO with no clear, exact, least communicated succession plan that on and on. And, you'd, and I was like activist playbook, right? Of course, it would never, ever happen. Right. There have been a couple who thought about it briefly. Are you uh, allowed to criticize them? Well, you clearly are. Well, don't you think I'll... I will be branded as a... No, I don't know. I don't know. Carl, we got a lot of other news to get to this morning. I want to get back to you, though. Um, guys, you were just, you know, David, you're mentioning buybacks. Actually, it's something that Pat Gelsinger brought up on 60 Minutes last night. He said we will not be anywhere near as focused on buybacks going forward as we have been in the past. And he talked about this new spending round on a couple of uh, fabrication plants in Arizona. Take a listen. I think we have a couple of years until we catch up to the surging demand across every aspect of the business. It used to be that there were 25 companies in the world that made the high-end, cutting-edge chips. And now there are only three. And in the United States, you. Yeah. One. One. 25 years ago, 
the United States produce 37% of the world's semiconductor manufacturing in the U.S. Today, that number has declined to just 12%. Doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good. And anybody who looks at supply chain says that's a problem. Jim, CBS had that last night, as well as Taiwan Semi on Sunday morning, saying that they think they can meet the minimum auto demand by June. I think a lot of companies are attempting to reconfigure, Intel attempting to reconfigure for uh, the, some of these lower end chips that don't make people, their companies, a lot of money. Uh, I find it interesting that uh, Leslie Stoll really did nail Intel. Uh, Intel spent a huge amount of money on uh, what I regard as being creative finance, to just buy and buy and buying their own stock, David. Yep. And uh, could they have continued to, to build fabs like they did? Absolutely. But it's cheaper to use Taiwan Semi. Yeah. yeah. And, I, what, I mean, why listen, not? We, we've been talking about these uh, these issues, obviously, for a lot longer. But it's interesting when this kind of a thing gets to 60 minutes and becomes sort of something mainstream. Yeah, exactly. Part of the national conversation. A couple of things on my end to get to, guys. Um, not large, but wanted a Meredith selling their local media group to great television. It's two point seven billion in cash. Meredith stock is actually doing quite well. And really have that. Yeah. I should pay um, attention to that. Two point seven billion dollar deal this morning. Obviously, about half the size or so of. Uh, of that Verizon deal uh, in terms of Verizon Media to uh, to Apollo, uh, you're going to get basically the same thing. It's uh, they're doing it as a spin, cash consideration, but you're getting fourteen fifty one for one. But take a look at shares of Meredith. There it is. Up, oh, already already off the highs. It was up as much as twelve percent when I looked at it a moment ago. And then in Spackland, I did want to note one uh, one thing this morning, which is CF Finance three. They had this deal, and they still do have a deal to uh, acquire one of these LiDAR companies. Um, Which one? Uh, it was, the company was uh, AI. Remember? We sure. talked about them for a while. Yes, we did. AI. But what's interesting is they negotiated the merger agreement lower. Um, and this is from the press release. Due to recent valuation changes of publicly traded LiDAR companies and changing conditions. There it is. Thank you. Uh, in the automotive LiDAR industry, they have amended their previously announced merger agreement. And uh, under the terms of the amended merger agreement, they'll now pay them a uh, basis pre-merger $1.52 billion instead of $1.9 billion. Jim, we may see more of this. Perhaps they were not going to get the vote, you know, not going right. to actually get the support of the transaction. They've just now pushed that out uh, as well. But a significant lowering of the overall valuation of the transaction by one. No, again, a SPAC that had been trading below 10 and conceivably right. might not have been in a position to get enough people to support the deal on, it, on its then terms. Wow, could be a new wave. Now, uh, where I totally agree with Warren Buffett is that SPACs being horrendous, really uh, benefiting a few. And maybe this is the beginning, David, of where... You know, know, again, you do have that opportunity. Now, of course, what I would point out with SPACs and, uh, is that, the yes, the... The sponsor and the investors don't necessarily have the same or not. They'll all argue with me. Of course, we're incented. But the sponsor can make money down, Carl, to as little as two bucks on the stock price oftentimes. Oh, as, maybe a little bit. right. And you look at a sensitivity <laughs> analysis, and I have a couple. I can't share them. You can get down to as low as two, two fifty a share before they're really in, in danger of actually losing any money. Obviously, any shareholder that bought a SPAC that went any below 10 and still had it for some reason, uh, that's not the case. So eh, there are some differing, uh, differing incentives. Let's say it. Leave it at that. Carl? Wow. 
or or a moral <laughs> failing, as uh, as yeah. Munger said over the weekend. Uh, guys, um, most sectors green. Uh, we're being led once again by some of the reopening names in the financial and energy space. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Hey, Bob. That's exactly what's going on, Carl. It's the reopening again. And why shouldn't it be with the earnings that we're getting and the reopening news proceeding apace? Tremendous economic news on top of tremendous earnings. No surprise. Take a look at the sectors. Carl's right. Uh, it's energy and banks. It's the reopening sectors. We're also seeing some industrials up. Tech's doing okay. Uh, defensive names like REITs, utilities, they're lagging. So this is the reopening story. And if you look at the leaders in the S&P leaderboard, I look at the S&P rather than the Dow, you see it's all the reopening names once again. So you get UPS, another new high. FedEx is not far. Uh, material names like Freeport, McNamara, uh, and uh, in- industrial slash um, uh, high-end consumer names like United Rentals. Uh, also doing really well today. Remember, everybody, we're about 60 percent through earnings season. 300 uh, companies reported. Not only is the numbers blow out, but the guidance is very good on top of that. So remember, 60 percent reporting. We're essentially up close to 40 percent compared to the first quarter of last year, or close to 50 percent, excuse me. But the beat is what's important. 23 percent. Those are titanic numbers. Remember, historically, the beat used to be three to five percent. Now it's 22%. So the analysts have been consistently wrong. This is one of the reasons the market is still up. Uh, and there's a number of reasons why we're at new highs. And the most important thing is the earnings growth is much better than expectations. But we also see the reopening proceedings uh, proceeding. We see the economic data strong. The economic data is also above expectations. And finally, of course, fiscal monetary stimulus is continuing. You put this all together. And it's no surprise you've got markets at new highs. But let's talk about why is the S&P up like 13 percent this year? We'll go back to the old Jack Bogle principles. Jack used to say at Vanguard, there's three reasons why stocks prices move. Earnings growth, dividends growth and the multiple increasing or decreasing. So earnings are up for 2021, about 10 percent compared to the start of the year. Dividends estimates are going to be up about 5 percent this year. Right there, you've got 15 percent growth. There's the S&P up 13 percent right there on the earnings growth and the dividends growth. The P.E. ratio is about 20 now for including 2022 parts of that. Uh, that's been going down. That's generally good. And liquidity, there's been huge inflows. I'm waiting for the May numbers to come in for mutual fund and ETF inflows. But they're going to be very, very big. I should have those numbers later today. A lot more money coming into the stock market. The one problem, if you really want to look at what's going on, is The S&P, we hit when earnings started April 14th with J.P. Morgan. Essentially, we're flat since then. And Carl, we're up less than 1%. That's an indication. All the growth was in the end of March, beginning of April. Since we started earnings, it's basically flattened out. And that's the problem. This is that peak idea, peak earnings, peak economic growth, peak reopening. A little harder to move the markets forward from here. Back to you. All right, uh, Bob, thanks for that. Peak inflation is a little more difficult of a story to uh, pin down. We've got a lot of commodities in the green. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Hey, Rick. Good morning, Carl. Uh, we are expecting the market PMI to come out shortly. And while we're waiting for that, look at the intraday of 10s. You can see that yields dropped. They dropped on all the treasuries as the futures markets opened in Chicago at 820. A little loftier uh, in yield, a little heavier in price overseas. And if you open the chart up to two weeks, you could really see that once we popped up of over 160, uh, we, we have firmed up a bit. So you want to mentally use that level like traders are as a pivotal area. And if you look at 
boon yields. One of the reasons we've been propelled higher, uh, it, their two-week chart, it's evident. They closed uh, at minus 20. They've traded as high as minus 16 today. And if you open the chart up, and go all the way back to January of 2020, you can clearly see that this is the highest post-COVID yield, the lowest price, and the April final for markets manufacturing PMI is hitting the wires at 60.5. We're expecting a number a few tenths richer than that, but that is roughly as expected, and it does, of course, uh, challenge this notion of the post-COVID high. Uh, So we replace 60.6 with 60.5, That is still a post-COVID high read for this metric. And, of course, we're going to have more PMIs coming up along with construction numbers. And finally, let's get back to those charts. Uh, If we look at the euro currency in the context that interest rates have moved higher, you're going to be a bit disappointed. Look at this two-week chart. We've actually started coming down in the euro currency. It's down about a euro from the highs on Wednesday that were right around 121 and a half. Why? Well, it looks as though that the euro currency, especially post-ECB meeting, is where most of the pressure ended up. But now look at the handoff from the currency side to the interest rate side as more and more now are saying that the stimulus in Europe as vaccines start to get out there is something that may have to be pulled back a bit. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, thank you for that. Uh, Rick Santelli coming up a little bit later on this morning, an exclusive with the CEO of eBay. That's coming up in the next hour. We got a record high on the transports today. Need about 20 more for the S&P, although this is the Dow's best gain since about April 21. Don't go away. I frequently said I wouldn't move across the street to save my children $500 million in taxes. And so... <laughs> So I have that's that's my personal view on the subject. But I do think it is stupid for states to drive out their wealthiest citizens. The old people that don't commit any crimes, they donate to the local charity. It's who in the hell in their right mind would drive out the rich people? I mean, Florida and places like that are very shrewd and places like California are being very stupid. It's contrary to the interests of the state. After dissing SPACs and Bitcoin, Jim, uh, Munger saved some firepower for tax policy. Well, look, I I think that we saw this with Dave Tepper when the New Jersey, one of my favorite guys, a big money manager, hedge fund, where the New Jersey drove him out. Uh, Then, of course, he He came back. He came back. (laughs) And he came back, which argues, you know, you don't want to leave your friends, your family behind if you can have them there. But But I I do feel. I also get it. I I think that Munger's right on this. Yeah, listen, I'm looking at the preliminary budget, Carl, for the city that that we all live in. Yes. $98.6 billion for uh, fiscal year 22, the city of New York. It's basically the same size as the state of Florida. It's Um, incredible. And it has half as many people, if that. So uh, you can argue that that that's a crazy number and that, you know, with 40 percent of the people, 40 percent of the income tax being paid by less than one percent, that could be a concern if you drive those people out. I have a lot of friends, Carl, who moved to Florida. You do? Uh, Yeah, I do. I have a lot. When I was down there in Delray, I was shocked at how many. Why? Because they make a lot more money. Right. Doing the same thing. They they save 13, 14 percent. That's a lot of money. It is. Yeah. I'm I'm with Munger on that. Are we going to be broadcasting uh, B of a from Florida a nice, soon? I don't know. Is there a South Wall Street? I was going to say, B of A did a nice piece 
last week about urban exodus, and it, a lot of it began, guys, before the pandemic for reasons that you're outlining right now. Uh, we'll take a quick break here, guys. Uh, more Squawk in the Street after, the, after this break. Don't go away. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Well, here's one that's going to surprise people. It's Gap Stores. It's up 75% for this year as part of the lag trade by my friend Matt Boss, a great retail analyst, which is L Brands, American Eagle Outfitters, and then Gap Stores. These are the three that are play catch up. If you look at that chart, you have to say, well, hold, what is Sonia Siegel doing? Is it uh, all ju- just various, various brands that are finally hitting? No, it's everything style. The style's great, particularly for Gap Stores of all places. And the mall? Well, what can I say, Carl? People go to the mall. They, they do. It's something that they've started doing again. And we have to notice that. The A malls are packed, Carl. They're doing quite well. Yep. Although, Jim, I did see you tweet this morning um, about friends you met over the weekend who were taking pride in not getting the vaccine. Yes. And page one on the, in the Times today is about the idea that maybe we don't get to herd immunity because of that hesitation. Um, I was in with several groups in actually many different groups this weekend. And I wore a mask and other people didn't. So I said, boy, you have great faith in the vaccine. That was my whole rap. And almost universally, they said, no, we just don't need a vaccine. Now, if we have no, if we have no immunity to something, then why are we saying that there's no need for a vaccine? Carl, I don't know. I found it discouraging. Very discouraging. Yeah. It was in Pennsylvania, yeah. by the way. Yeah, although we... We've made a lot of progress, as uh, Dr. Gottlieb said over the weekend. Uh, Jim, another busy week of earnings. You'll kick it off tonight on Matt, of course. Yes. Well, we have a, a new company, GXO, which is a spinoff of uh, XPL Logistics. And, and I think it's a really great company. I like Zebra. I love logistics companies. Logistics are like plastics from the graduate. And then Sarah, Sarah Greenstone, she's doing great. Lidol makes a lot of the uh, equipment for mass uh, worldwide, including China. Uh, but they also make auto parts. I want to find out whether that's hurting, Carl, because of, yes, the chip shortage. Jim, nice to have David back. Uh, we'll see you tonight, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to The Opening Bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.